That's philosophy. Is that a sport? Uh, no, it's more of an attempt to uh, construct a viable hypothesis to uh, explain the meaning of life. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Would you like to talk about the meaning of life, darling? Sure, why not? Philosophy for two? Right. Welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guy podcast, and today's episode is going to be the first official episode after the revamped uh, podcast I got going here. Um, if you listen to the trailer, you kind of know what's coming in this episode. I kind of announced that uh, Westworld will be the first series, but to give people that didn't listen to the trailer a little bit of a heads up, and maybe you listened prior to my new revamped version of the podcast, I'm taking more... TV shows, movies, and books, for example, and looking into the philosophy ideas that those kind of entertainment items, I guess you could say, raise and going more into those issues to kind of, I want to use them as a way to kind of foundationalize something that I can apply these philosophy ideas to and kind of make it more some more people want to kind of listen in and kind of learn about philosophical ideas because that's the point is to continue to kind of spread these ideas to a more mass amount of people. And so that's the goal here. But yeah, for the first episode, we're going to get into Westworld and we'll get in a little bit of the philosophy, but mostly it'll be just kind of announcing the questions that I'm going to be asking throughout the series. So Westworld is, it's originally based on a film in 1973 and they turned it into an HBO TV series, but it's just filled with philosophy content throughout. I mean, from ethics, religion, consciousness, the meaning of life. Uh, but I guess to take one little step back here. So you've been warned, we're going to have spoilers throughout this series. And, you know, and I will also say spoilers in future series as well, because we're going to be applying these ideas back to the show. Um, so you've been warned now. Uh, but yeah, Westworld, it's kind of built on the pretense, this idea that guests can participate in a lifelike replica of the old wild, wild west, the concept created from the late 1800s with the, the park having these kind of realistic buildings, trains, and guns. It's very much built on this Hollywood-esque version of what the wild, wild west was for sure. But the real imitation that raises the interesting questions is the replication of humans that are the host. So the park was created or has created this artificial intelligence host, right? Where you can't even tell the difference between what's a host and who's a human. So at one point, Logan in the first season told young William, who turned out to be the man in black, if you don't know, uh, was told to just just shoot at them to figure out if it's a host or not, just to kill them to find out if you were if it was a host. Because if you shoot them and the bullets don't do anything, oh, that that's our human. That's how real the hosts are. They are so well coded, and they're these just well coded artificial machines. So to start the show, the hosts kind of have this blindfold over them in the first season, in a sense that they are under the kind of like this perception that what is going, what is being perceived, is real. But what is real is kind of a good question. And how is the host coding any different than our own? It's like we are coded to perceive the world in a particular way, just like the host. What makes our perception of the world any more real than what their perception is? Just because we know their perception is coded by us, what makes us think that the same isn't being done for us? 
you know, kind of going back to like, oh, how do we know we're not living in a simulation? Kind of that old saying and people get from the matrix. But also I think it stems kind of from humans kind of have this special feeling that because maybe we got it through evolution that somehow our form of coding is somehow superior. And we'll get we'll get more into that in a, in a later episode for sure. Uh, but kind of what is real for Bernard, Bernard's an interesting character in the show because throughout most of the first season, we're under this perception that he's a human, but it turns out he's a host. So for Bernard, what is real is that which is irreplaceable because he said, that's what he said in the show. And it seems to be very vague, but we're going to kind of get into an episode on that as well. And Ford, um, who's played by Anthony Hopkins, who manages to look like he's always wants to eat someone throughout the whole show, um, says in the first season, we live in loops as tight and as closed as the hosts do. So kind of getting at what makes us any different from the host, really. And people like to think that our perception of the world is somehow special. But something we will consider in the series is our programming. Is it all that different from the host and we have limitations of knowledge just like the host limited by our perception of the world limited by our consciousness our coding limited by our understanding and ability to comprehend what we see and most of all how each of us is kind of individually coded in a sense to kind of have these different perceptions right and we only do what we are coded to do just like humans that's what the hosts do that's what humans do this raises kind of some interesting questions about free will and determinism which we'll explore in the series as well because the show's filled with that and i know it's hinting at that a lot of hollywood tv shows like to hint at that so i'm going to try to kind of refresh the free will and determinism argument by really applying it to the show and how different shows play with that argument but also a possible difference between the host and humans because when it comes to something fundamental about our programming the host such as uh, Maeve in the first and second season sees her programming she sees her desires like what she will and what she will do what she will say she even sees that she was programmed to gather uh, followers for an uprising in the first season that was kind of programmed by what we presumed to be Ford or Bernard which who was controlled by Ford uh, which poses information for the show's kind of take on free will. Uh, she kind of knows this. She knows her daughter is is this made-up cornerstone, yet has this desire to pursue her desire to protect her daughter and to be with her daughter, something that was programmed into her. So she knows it's, a, it's kind of like this fake made-up story, essentially, and it was programmed into her, but even that recognition doesn't really do anything to change her desire because of what she's programmed to do. So I raise this point because these bedrocks or cornerstones, as the show calls, uh, these foundational memories, they're foundational to the host. The show hints at this is kind of how they become conscious, right? How they act, what they desire, their personality. These cornerstones are kind of predetermined for the host. So how does this make us different from the host? Well, Probably because we are not born or awakened with this type of cornerstone. We're not born with that memory. We do not wake up with a memory to learn from, a memory to experience. We wake up with kind of like this, we wake up with this coding that has been developing through evolution. So how important is this difference? We'll, we'll get into that. So our cornerstone isn't a made up story or background. It's our human evolution to survive. Our cornerstone isn't a story. We kind of, we experience those through the loops of life. Our cornerstone is to survive. Our drive is to survive. It's kind of like the the famous Rick and Morty quote, and you'll probably see them a lot that I'll quote the Rick and Morty 
quite a bit, but by Rick about how our desire for marriage and relationships is just human nature forcing us to breed. It's kind of our human, why? Because it, it maintains that survival of our race. It's kind of our evolutionary drive to continue the human race going and that what gives us that drive. This fundamental, this might be a fundamental difference to explore uh, because the hosts kind of have a perception of experience that determines action Although it's programmed, but humans have the desire to survive. It's not based on a perception of some prior experience. So although what do these kind of cornerstones and backstories mean? In the case of Maeve, you can say it was programmed for her desire to protect her child, something that kind of resembles a human's human woman's behavior. But how is our human programming any different, right? When a child is born, the mother is still programmed with the instinct for her genes to live on. Thus, she needs to have her child live and she must protect her. It's still programmed within us, just like the hosts are programmed to care for their child. So in the series, we will look at what it means to suffer. Uh, the guests in the show seem to assume the hosts feel no suffering or more precisely, they think the hosts don't remember the suffering because from what Jeremy describes in the first season, we see they do what they do during the action by the guest, but that pain is wiped away. What well, we later find out, it wasn't completely wiped away. They had these little backlogs of memories that they could begin to access and kind of what gave them consciousness. So, what we, so we learn that the hosts do feel suffering. What does this mean for the rights they hold? Were the actions done by the guests to the host even though they perceive their suffering to have been washed away? Is it even because during that action it was suffering? Do, is there still some consequence there for humans to have? So the hosts also kind of have a recollection of their suffering, like I was kind of saying before there, memories that they can kind of remember like they're experiencing again. So what does a host idea of memory mean for them? Plus, these memories make them human-like. It provides kind of this subjective component to them, meaning they have a previous perception with consequence, subjective feeling like a human. Could this make them more human in a way than us? Their ability to recollect and analyze all of their past memories. What about death? The host experienced death time and time again. Maeve and Dolores allude to this fact as well. They've experienced death time and time and time again. This is something different from humans. We we are in a constant fear of death because it's something unknown to us. We, we can't experience death and then reawake and experience death again. Once you experience death, it's done, right? Plus, we only have it once. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. So now in season two, Dolores seems to want to wipe out their backup so that the hosts die they die it's over at least this is what from what i understood in season two so we look into that and what the importance of fear and death is when comparing the host and humans and what kind of makes that human like so now what about the maze which is referred to throughout the entire first season and even somewhat quite a bit actually in the second season and the man in black is a character you probably know that he's very obsessed with this maze right the character he's kind of a character i find most interesting and he's trying to find the maze the maze deals with the bicameral mind which i'll do an episode on but more importantly what does the maze mean for consciousness do the host end up having consciousness so bernard's response is to Memory is an integral part of consciousness. As he says in response to May's request to delete her memory of her daughter, I can't, not without destroying you. Your memories are the first step to consciousness. How can you learn from your mistakes if you can't remember them? 
So we will look at the transformation of William into the man of black. Is it an existential awakening that he experiences, facing the absurdity of his own existence when he gets obsessed with Westworld and finding the center of the maze and kind of wants to distance himself from the outside world? We do kind of get some stuff revealed in that in the second episode, so I might revise that episode a little bit, but we will we will explore Westworld's uh, imagery with the book of Genesis as well. It's Ford out there playing God, and based on the second season as well, it's it seems he's more of a godlike figure to the host, more so than even like a human perception of God. It seems to become more and more clear he is pulling the strings of more than just Bernard. I mean, it raises a question: if he granted them free will, do they have free will at all? Especially knowing what we know from the second season, he seems to have the power to take free will away as he pleases. Very, very godlike. So other questions we will consider, what is Westworld's stance on ethics? What about our inability to pinpoint agreed upon answer for what consciousness is? I mean, for things such as morality and rights, do we need consciousness for rights and morality? Does consciousness equal personhood? And we'll look at personhood in general as well and how that's connected to consciousness. What does the show say about artificial tel- intelligence in general? What does the show say about artificial intelligence in relation to personhood? How does free will shape our understanding of God and evil? What about Westworld's idea of the meaning of life? We'll analyze that as well. I'll be covering all these in this series. Now, it's not limited to these topics. I'm always open to further suggestions from the audience because at the end of the day, the show's still for the audience. Plus, even after the series, I'm sure I'll be revisiting it, especially if future episodes raise some other interesting questions. Um, So if you enjoyed the episode, please hit that subscribe button. Plus, you can help the podcast by leaving a rating and review. I'm always looking for feedback and kind of hearing what you guys want out of it and maybe some updates on these episodes as well to like topics I didn't hit, for example. So feel feel free to leave some feedback using my email, which is in the links below. And you can also do it by visiting my website that should be in the links below. But if you really enjoyed the podcast, you can support me financially. You got to pay the bills, you know. Um, this helps cover the cost of the podcast and hopefully I can afford some more time and spend on the podcast so I can not only produce a little bit more, research a little bit more, and also kind of get more content out there quicker. Uh, You can support by visiting my Patreon page, and the link will be below as well. But also, I will mention my book review giveaway that I mentioned in the trailer, that in the end of each series, I'll be giving away a few books to those leaving uh, reviews and also subscribing. So if you send me an email, you will get entered into... Uh, if you sorry, if you send me an email with your subscription, like a, just a little picture of a screenshot of um, you subscribing, I'll enter you into the contest. And then also, if you leave a rating and review, I'll leave you another or give you another entry into that as well. So you get a free book that's related to the series, one that I recommend, or maybe you know of one, and you can recommend that to me, and you will get a free book. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, tune in next time, and I hope you enjoy the Westworld series for more to come. Um, And I plan to have the next one out before the second season ends. But yeah, thanks for listening. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub.